The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 present Wake Up in the Den with Kubale Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I am Kule Agbayani. Happy Aloha Monday. Hope you guys are having a fabulous day so far. It's a beautiful day outside and hope you guys had a great weekend. It's just me holding down the fort today because our guys, Paul Brecht and Michael Lescaro, are out at University of Hawaii football spring practice kicking off this week, right? So we will uh, welcome in Paul Brecht to give us a little update from practice out there in Manoa. Again, practices are happening uh Pretty much every weekday, 7 to 9 a.m. and are open to the public if you guys can make it out. We do have the schedule on our website at hawaiisportsradio.com should you guys want to uh, see the breakdown of when the practice days are. But as we mentioned before, they're still working out when the spring game will be. But we will get you all of that information when it becomes available, of course. Well... One of the biggest things. Happy Super Bowl week, you guys. We are here. It is officially Super Bowl week. Can you believe it? Um, I will still we're still trying to decide where we're going to watch it. But uh, the 49ers and the Chiefs taking a look at the line this morning, though. The 49ers are sitting as the two point favorite. I remember when we looked at it last week, Monday, it was teetering between one and one and a half, still in favor of the 49ers. But now they have since moved to two, which is kind of interesting because they the teams are both in Las Vegas. However, there has been some issues with the field that the 49ers are practicing in. So they are at the UNLV facility. However, UNLV does have turf field. So there is actually a grass field that got brought out, but it's too soft, (laughs) apparently. But we will tell you about that a little later in the show. But to kick off our Super Bowl week, excited. I got a chance to check in with him last week Friday because I know his schedule is busy. So uh, in case anything in our chat sounds dated, It's because we were talking on Friday. You'll hear my chat with Bill McConnell in just a little bit. He is the chief operations officer of the Las Vegas Super Bowl 58 host committee. If you guys uh, tuned into our shows that we did in Las Vegas, you got a little bit or you got a chance to know him. He joined us for an entire hour when we were out there back in September. But in case you um, aren't too familiar with him or didn't hear that interview, here's a little background before you hear my chat with him. So Bill McConnell works for the NFL back in, in New York in from 1988 to 2013, uh, most recently as senior director of event operations and was responsible for the general management of the league's Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, postseason and international events with oversight of stadium and game operations for the league's premier events. That's why if you heard our our chat with him when we were in Las Vegas, he actually, you know, brought up uh, Kyle and knowing or being familiar with his his father and stuff in the Pro Bowl and just knowing people uh, with his relationship and coming to Hawaii at the Pro Bowl as Sad face. We no longer have the Pro Bowl here anymore. But uh, now or before joining the Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee, he was also in still in the sports industry. So after the NFL from July 
2013 through September 2022, he was the general manager for the city of Jacksonville's public access sports and entertainment venues, including TIAA Bank Field, home of the NFL's Jacksonville Jaguars, a Star Veterans Memorial Arena, Jacksonville Center for the Performing Arts, and a bunch of other places as well. So he's been in this industry for a while, and now he has his hand in the very first Super Bowl that will be on the Ninth Island. So here is my chat with Bill McConnell, the Chief Operations Officer of the Las Vegas Super Bowl Host Committee. He joined Kyle Galdera and I back in September when we were broadcasting live from the Circa Resort and Casino. And now we welcome him back to kick off our Super Bowl week, the Chief Operations Officer of the Las Vegas Super Bowl Host Committee, Bill McConnell. Bill, how have you been? Aloha. Just feels good to say it. So how have I been? I've been awesome. So we're we're right in the middle of it. It's our time and here we go. Here, Viva Las Vegas. I love it. Here we go. All right. So now that the matchup is set and we're, you know, just about a week away from the first Super Bowl in Las Vegas, just describe the buzz and excitement going on in the city right now. It's incredible. You know, it's the, the, the Super Bowl always generates buzz and excitement, but when you combine all of the elements for this very first Super Bowl in Las Vegas and yeah, you, you you combine all that's special and great about the Super Bowl and all that's special about Las Vegas and, and, and it being the first one here, it's really, it's really incredible. So I think the, and then, you know, we, we've talked about this before. Sometimes Las Vegas is perceived as just a, a a gaming destination or a sports entertainment destination, but it's so much more than that as a community. And we're really seeing the community step up the, the way we knew we would. So it's, it's special to see. And there is no doubt it's at a, at a, at a new level. So coming out of, coming out of the holidays and, you know, it feels like once, once January hit, the intensity increased. And then as the playoffs rolled through, the intensity increased even more. And, and now that we, we know the two teams that are, are going to be here, great matchup. We could probably talk about that all, all day long. Um, but, but now <clears throat> as you, as you see Las Vegas start to transform with all of the, the, the activations that the NFL is doing and the branding and the decor and and the the just all the stuff that's happening is is really special. And I know that as you just mentioned, there's a ton of stuff going on, but what are maybe some of the major project projects and maybe some hurdles that your team has worked on since we last spoke in September? Well, I don't know that we would call them hurdles but look i think what what we had all hoped that the the volume of of people that would be coming into las vegas would would be high not only and we talked about this before las vegas for any in any given year during the week of the super bowl is next to where the super bowl is hosted the highest visitor destination 
um, spot for for the Super Bowl. So you, you you've got people that are coming here even if they don't have tickets to the game. And then when you add on top of that those that are coming for the game, it's going to be a big deal. It's going to push Las Vegas to the limits. Now, if there's any place that can be pushed to its limits, it's Las Vegas. So, but just knowing that we could see record numbers of people here in the destination to celebrate Super Bowl and ensuring that everybody has the experience of a lifetime. I wouldn't say it's a challenge, but the intensity and the collaboration and the work that everybody is doing, whether it's Clark County, um, the resort community, the public safety community, you know, the transportation community, all, all of these people and entities that have um, a role in that are working feverishly. And so again, I wouldn't say it's a challenge, but it's certainly fun to see how this entire destination is working together so that the Super Bowl is presented to the highest of standards. Like you said, if there's any city that can do it, it would be Las Vegas. And if there's any indication of when you talk about record number of people, I already read that they had a record number of requests from the media. And then the original media hotel that was the Luxor had already sold out. So then they had to open up rooms at the Excalibur as well. So that's only the media. So I can only imagine everyone coming to the actual game, especially when you have the San Francisco 49ers in there, where a lot of people can just come over from California and it's an easy trip for all of them as well. We are joined by Bill McConnell, COO of the Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee. I saw this on social media as well. The Mirage Volcano (laughs) being turned into a mountain for the Paramount Exhibition Vegas Journey to the Peak. Uh, In addition to the volcano and of course, Super Bowl signage and logos everywhere, as we see in your background as well. Are there any other significant visual or landmark changes around the strip that maybe some of our, you know, Hawaii people might be interested in? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, CBS, of course, and Paramount, uh, the parent company of CBS is the broadcaster for the game. And so that uh, that activation you you mentioned uh, in front of the Mirage is something that that Paramount is doing. So that's going to be a good deal. The, the the CBS um, set will be in front of the Bellagio fountains. And so that set will go live starting Monday. So CBS, the network, will be broadcasting a lot of their, their um, morning programming, their news programming, their sports programming. And so that's going to be right in front of the Bellagio. The NFL is, a, is going to unveil this really spectacular uh, illumination show that will have an audio component uh, in front of the Bellagio fountains, but it'll be illuminated on Caesar's palace. And so that's going to be a show that happened several times during the course of the day and in the evenings. And so that's going to be really cool. We know uh, some other NFL partners are active. There'll be a, a chip city in front of New York, New York. So there's just a lot of cool things. The The NFL has um, worked with several locations around 
um, in, in Las Vegas to have the Roman numerals. So there'll be places for people to come and take selfies of the Roman numerals. Um, there's some other activations happening at Caesar's Palace where people can can get selfies and be, be part of the experience. The decor um, plan that the NFL has has got pedestrian bridges over the boulevard, have very cool branding for Super Bowl. Uh, what's being uh, projected um, on the video boards at the stadium. So there's just a lot. There's just a lot that's very cool. And and we've also seen how all of the LED um, assets on the Las Vegas Strip, there was a, a takeover of that, which happened earlier this week, which was really cool. So there's just so much, so much happening. Oh, that's incredible. And speaking of so much happening, a lot of this couldn't be done without thousands of volunteers that will contribute to the success of the Super Bowl and its events. Uh, What are some of the areas and responsibilities that are given to all of these volunteers? And in case maybe any of our listeners might be interested in volunteering for the Super Bowl one day in the future, what is involved in the application and screening process to volunteer and help bring the Super Bowl to somewhere like Las Vegas. Yeah, that that whole process has been going on for well over a year. And the response, as I mentioned before, the response of the community has been tremendous in this southern Nevada region. And um, that's that's exemplified through the volunteer program. And so, yeah, there's a registration process a screening process and and a vetting process. And so all of that's been done, but we've got 7,000 volunteers and they're, they're, they're essentially, we call them team LV. So they're team Las Vegas and they're, um, they're the smiling faces that visitors are going to see it um, from, from the airport to the strip um, to a whole host of other places. And they're, they're there to, greet people and welcome them and answer questions and provide and in, provide information to um, to help make the the experience again and one of a lifetime so great great program great turnout it's in, in really strong individuals that are uh, committed to helping do their part to showcase Las Vegas to those that are visiting. And we're joined by Bill McConnell, Chief Operations Officer of the Las Vegas Super Bowl Host Committee. I asked you this back in September, and I'm just going to throw it out there again. (laughs) I know that that's not much that you can say, but is there anything that you can share with us about Usher's halftime show? I I wish if I knew something (laughs) that you don't, I would... Well, I, I might share it over the air, but but maybe I just call you and tell you. But uh, <laughs> here, what, what we've heard, and I and I believe it, is that it's going to be unlike uh, anything any of us have ever seen. So, um, I'm anxious, like like you and your listeners are, to see what that's going to be. But I, I it, it it feels like the the energy behind doing one of the greatest productions that any of us have ever seen is solidly in place. So I wish I knew more <laughs> about what that could be, but 
like like you and your listeners, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So I I think we talked about this before as well. I, you know, Usher has the residency in Las Vegas. He 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 loves Las Vegas, and I think that that passion for Las Vegas and and his talent as a performer. When you bring it together, I think we're all going to be pleased with what we see. Yeah. And again, just history being made the first Super Bowl and obviously the first Super Bowl halftime show in Las Vegas. I'm sure he will do it big. But speaking of performers, uh, you worked as we got to know you when you joined us back in September. You worked for the NFL from 1988 to 2013. Do you recall a time that anyone who wasn't a current or former player has been able to generate this type of buzz for the league like we've seen Taylor Swift be able to do this season? Who's Taylor Swift? <laughs> Good answer. Uh, somebody would have liked it. Okay. Uh, so I, isn't it amazing? Really? I think, um, and I know, I know what goes on there. There are some, football purist, if you will, who are probably shaking their head. What is all this? But on the other side of that, I, it's refresh. It's refreshing to see um, so many people talking about Travis and Taylor and, and even Jason Kelsey. Now he's kind of got a springboard to it. So look, any, anything, the, the sport of football is you, Hawaii well knows is unlike any other and so if there's popular culture um elements that intersect with with football to expose the sport to a a wider audience then i think that's that's a good thing but you also have to think of the age we're living in now with with social media and and the like and so look I, i think the the nfl and super bowl has gradually evolved into more than just a game, right? We we know that. So, like, it wasn't too many years ago when, remember when Tony Romo was playing and Jessica Simpson was, there was a yeah. I think it was Jessica Simpson. Yeah. And so, like, it's not it, it's not in, entirely new, you know. Like when Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe were getting together way back when, I think, you know, it's so different points of, of our history it's not entirely new but when you when you look at the social media component to the world we live in now things just build and drama builds and so no i would say we we probably haven't seen anything like it when you put everything together about where we are this day and age yeah and i i've said a lot on the show where football fans they're going to watch the game no matter what. And the NFL is just doing what they do best in growing their brand even more. So they're just capitalizing on trying to get new fans. And they've done that with all of the Swifties. I am a Swiftie, full disclosure, but I've already been a Super Bowl or a football fan. But just seeing all of this, these new fandom, especially to increase the female audience, I feel like the NFL couldn't have asked for anything better than this. Yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. But when you throw it all together, and yeah, again, Las Vegas and the Super Bowl together is a lot. But look, the 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 A list um, lineup that the Super Bowl brings anyway is always is always big, and that's been growing. 
Um, and then when you had Las Vegas into it and those things that you just mentioned, yeah, we're, we're, we're feeling pretty good that, that this will be the brightest stage ever presented for an NFL game. So, and then look, if you look at what the, what the ratings have been throughout the playoffs, the, there, there's positive momentum. The social media impressions are all trending high. And so we think it's, we think we're, we're, we're in that spot. We hoped we would be, and now we just need to have a great week and a great game. And um, we, we, we think we've got a chance to see that happen. I'm I'm so excited for the Super Bowl, and you know, considering last one for here, considering that we already saw these two teams in the Super Bowl not too long ago, could this is this matchup still a good one for Las Vegas, being that it is the first Super Bowl in Las Vegas? And as I mentioned, you have obviously Patrick Mahomes taking T Swift out of this. You still have Patrick Mahomes, the greatest quarterback of this new generation, not taking anything away from Tom Brady, of course, but the new generation of fans. Patrick Mahomes is it, and the Chiefs are the team to beat. Then you have the San Francisco 49ers who just have a huge fan base as well. And as I said, just a state away from Nevada. So is this kind of one of them is those matchups that as the host committee, you're like, all right, this is going to be a good one, even better than we already anticipated it to be. Well, I, look, I think you let your, your listeners decide that and, and everyone's got a, a, a an opinion, but I think the, the 49ers had been, have been playing all year long as though they were, they were the best team in the NFC and, you know, once once the Eagles kind of fell fell off, and and the Cowboy, I think the the Forty ers their ups and downs over the season were a lot less than any other team, and so their their trajectory to be the best team in the NFC played itself out. Right now, the Lions would have been a great story, and, mm-hmm. and had they been fortunate enough to win, I think the the the, the intensity of the lions would have been great, but 49ers were the best team in the NFC. I think for the, for the chiefs, you know, they had some ups and downs and maybe a few downs during the season, but when it came time to do what needed to be done to show why they're the defending AFC or super, excuse me, super bowl champion, they did that. And so we've got the defending super bowl champion against the 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 best team in the NFC what better matchup could anybody want so true especially someone who is not a actual fan of either team I'm looking forward to it all right Bill officially last question or maybe not last question but what is the last thing that you want to share for all of our listeners here in Hawaii who can't be there to enjoy the glitz and glamour of Super Bowl week in Las Vegas stay connected to it you know like I, I think this is this one feels special for all the reasons that we just talked about, and I think um, you know if, if you could be if you even if you can't get a ticket to the game, but you want to come hang out in Las Vegas, you're running out of time to make those arrangements. But I would say do it because just whether you're in the stadium or not, the 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 experience of the Super Bowl loss in Las Vegas is more than just being in the stadium being here for the weekend you're there for the super bowl 
So I think um, I know I know a lot of, of my friends from Hawaii love Las Vegas, and so <laughs> don't stop looking at uh, your your travel websites to make your way over here. You'll have a great time. Oh, I love it. Well, Bill, I better let you go. I know there's still a lot more that goes into this final home stretch of leading up to the Super Bowl on Sunday. But thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. Bill McConnell, the COO of the Las Vegas Super Bowl 58 planning committee. Uh, Mahalo to him again for chatting with me uh, last week, Friday, as we kick off Super Bowl week in Las Vegas. Unfortunately, I will not be there, (laughs) but uh, throughout the week, we'll be checking in with people that are, including Arash Markazi, who you can hear his show on this station as well at 10 a.m. Try to get in touch with a former colleague um, at my previous radio station that I was at, as he will be at Radio Row as well with Sports Grid. Going to try to ask for getting Tim Murray, who you guys hear on VSIN, a programming for uh, late in the afternoon and just a bunch of people. So uh, hoping that this will bring the Las Vegas vibe since we cannot be there in person. And part of the reason why I won't be there is, well, we're covering local sports this weekend here in Hawaii. So there's just so much going on. But of course, nothing tops the big game as we're looking forward to it. And hey, if you guys have any like experience or you guys are out there, feel free to, you know, tag us on social media at High Sports Radio. I know we got a text last week saying that uh, they'll be be there in Las Vegas, but no ticket to the game. And I know a couple of people like that because it'll just be amazing to be in Las Vegas. As Bill mentioned, just the activations that are around the strip and all the things that you can take photos of and the Roman numerals everywhere and all over on the billboards. And it'll be fun. I've been to Las Vegas for a Super Bowl, like when like on Super Bowl Sunday and that was fun in itself. Like the 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 buzz that's going on when you go to Las Vegas for Super Bowl. And I went before a lot of the uh, states had legalized sports betting. So now it'll be even crazier. I was, you know, on gambling Twitter. They were saying that they've that some of these sports books have gotten inquiries about putting in these seven figure bets, and some people thinking that there will be possibly eight figure bets that are going into some of these major sports books uh, for the Las Vegas Super Bowl. Because at the end of the day, even though it's sports betting is legal in a lot of places, there's just something about being able to put in a large bet in Las Vegas and then be treated and they you know, hook you up as a VIP when you put in bets that are that big, uh, just like we've seen with Mattress Mac, who is known for putting in his big bets, except nothing. I don't I didn't see anything come down for the Super Bowl, but it's exciting. Um, but part of the as I mentioned to kick off the show, though, want to fill you guys in on what's going on with the actual teams itself, whether this sways uh, any betting or not. That's obviously left to the audience, but uh, I mentioned it earlier. So the teams have arrived in Las Vegas, the 49ers and the Chiefs. A little bit of the background information, though, when it comes to practice facilities, uh, as we know, the NFL you know, designates one team as the home team and the other as the away team. And then it alternates each year. Uh, this year, the AFC champion is considered the home team. Usually that means the home team gets to practice at the local NFL at team's facility, while the away team practices at the best college facilities nearby. So last year, the Chiefs were the away team in practice at Arizona State, while the Eagles were at the Cardinals facilities. So this time it swapped the Chiefs, which is kind of ironic that 
you know, the Chiefs are allowed to practice at the Raiders facility. We kind of had to chuckle about that. But the Chiefs are, since they are the designated home team this year, they get awarded, I guess for lack of a better term, to be able to practice at the Las Vegas Raiders facilities. Meanwhile, the San Francisco 49ers have to practice at UNLV's facilities at the Fertitta Football complex. However, uh, sources tell CBS Sports that some of the 49ers staffers are not pleased with the practice field at UNLV where the 49ers have to practice. Now, they're, so the issue lies in the firmness of the natural grass that the NFL has laid over UNLV's artificial turf ahead of the 49ers practicing there. So the 49ers uh advanced group which includes members of the equipment staff and grounds team traveled to las vegas last week to check out the facilities Uh, they feel the grass is too soft for the team to practice on and they may consider alternatives the players and coaches had not visited the field yet so because they just arrived yesterday at 6 30 p.m local time and they were scheduled to do a walkthrough this afternoon so today they it's not a health and safety issue so that's a good thing because we know there's been a lot of talk about turf versus grass in terms of player safety so it's not to do with health and safety issue it's just one of the preferences that the 49ers have so nfl fields have to be at or below 100 gram or Unit, sorry, 100 units of gravity to pass. According to the sources, the natural grass at UNLV measures around 50 units of gravity, whereas the 49ers have a preference of around 70. I know some people are like, I can't believe they can feel the difference. When you play professional sports, you can totally feel the difference, feel the difference in how the ball feels, the grass, everything. So now the 49ers have three options. Uh, they can either you know, go about their business practice on the field, bring in a new firmer sod that would in theory be ready for practice this week or negotiate with the NFL to practice at the Las Vegas Raiders facility uh, where the Chiefs are located this week. But, you know, they've been discussions. There have been discussions adjusting the schedule that would allow them uh, to practice at the Raiders facility when the Chiefs aren't there. Uh, But the likely scenario is that they will remain at UNLV. So I just thought that was interesting to share as we are here at Super Bowl week. And now there could be the issue with the practice facility. Hopefully there's no issue with the actual game field itself. Last year, there was a lot of slip inside at the State Farm Stadium. That was an issue during the Super Bowl. You know, the Eagles could not get their hands on Patrick Mahomes because their defense kept slipping when they were trying to make these plays. So there should be more sunlight now to this field, as if you guys are familiar with the Las Vegas field, they kind of roll it out to get sunlight and then they roll it into Allegiant Stadium. So hopefully they have a good amount of uh, feel to the grass so that it won't feel like it affected the game like it did last year. But Fortunately, hopefully beautiful weather in Las Vegas and super jealous that we can't be there, but we'll definitely keep you updated about all of these things as we go through Super Bowl week. All right, but we got to step aside. When we come back, uh, we'll welcome in our Paul Brecht as he is at University of Hawaii football practice, uh, week two of spring practice. So we'll chat with him next on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kukule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. 
Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I'm Kule Agbayani. Mahalo for joining us this and every weekday morning at 8 on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. All right, now time to chat about the beautiful thing that is University of Hawaii football on this beautiful day. So far, it's looking like, at least in Kalihi, want to welcome in our Paul Brecht, who is out there right now at University of Hawaii football practice. Paul, how's it going? What's up, Koo? Another beautiful day down here at TC uh, Ching and just had a rainbow over the field. Day's been pretty good so far. How are you guys doing over there in the den? Oh, you know, again, beautiful day. We we started off the show talking at kicking off a Super Bowl week as that's what will be the topic of discussion for the rest of the week. But of course, we can also fit in some University of Hawaii football. So uh, what has been some of the things they've been working on today and how is everybody looking uh, now that we are one week into spring practice as I love I love the vibes that you're bringing in here. I hear a lot of the whistles in the background and sounds like a lot of stuff going on. It's been a fun day here, a lot of energy per usual, and that's what you kind of expect from these coaches as a couple of kiddos run on by. Uh, the the energy has been good. It's been fun to see the quarterbacks go through today. It looks like they are really, really getting some nice chemistry going with the wide receivers just early on in camp. That's something heard from multiple people who have been in at multiple practices and it's good to see so far. Braden Shager, Micah Alihato, or Alihato, pardon me. We we got that correction. Uh, Micah Alihato, uh, both really, really impressive with their ball placement today. Throw, thrown some good ones underneath and also some nice deep balls as well. Micah has impressed me with his arm strength. Uh, I, I know we've talked a lot about his his frame, his stature, so on and so forth, but it has not seemed to be any type of issue as we're starting to finally get into some 11 on 11 for the first time in practice today, I'm excited to see how the defense looks because we're watching some of the corner work as well. And it, there's a lot of depth in the defensive back room. I, we talked a lot about that last year. Returns everyone from that group. Verdell Edwards not playing uh, throughout spring camp so far. We've seen Fabian Ross, though. He's doing well. The USC transfer, not to mention... Cam Stone out there leading. It's been a lot of fun to see the new pieces added to last year's group. As uh, every everybody seems pretty comfortable, just what five days into spring practice, and obviously you can't take too much from this right now because it is early. You don't have the entire signing class in here. I was talking with our Michael Lascaro and uh, joking because he asked where Tui Muti was, uh, the, the offensive lineman. <laughs> uh, not everybody like Micah Alejado enrolled early into the spring semester, so we will have to wait to see some of those new bows in the summer still. But a lot of the new additions are getting set and getting comfortable really, really early here at camp, and that's nice to see. And I have to imagine that... It, the, the veteran leadership of these new coaches is a big part of that as well. Uh, just kind of no nonsense, but still keeping that positive vibe. That's what it's been all day today, all throughout this first week plus of practice. 
Oh my gosh, that sounds exciting. I'm excited that you just mentioned they're going to go through some 11 v 11 because that's what I know a lot of fans love to see. As we mentioned, practice is open to the public if anybody wants to go out there and, and check it out. And that's good to hear where you... Because, yes, that's kind of been the topic of discussion when it comes to Micah Alihado in terms of his stature. He is significantly smaller than the other quarterbacks on the roster, like the Braden Shager, John Keave, Sanga Polutele, and Jake Farrell. But quarterback has to throw the football, so that's good to hear that he has some good arm strength on him, which is more than that you can ask for to start off with here in the spring. Yeah, I mean, it's even more than the arm strength, too. I want to give him as much credit as I possibly can. He had a awesome throw, actually, right in front of Michael and I about 10 minutes before I hopped on here with you guys, and the ball placement on it was perfect in a place where only his receiver could go get it, fit it through a tight window through two defenders. I was, I was pretty impressed. It was enough to make me verbally turn to Michael and go, oh, um, <laughs> Because I, I didn't expect that from the true freshman, and right away he's making some throws out here. And I just talked to you guys. The, this is a good defensive back group that returns everyone from last year and has added. So it, it was cool to see that as well. Um, overall, Micah has had a good day. It's only you know, it's day five of practice, so I, I still don't want to put too much pressure too much uh, or, or hype him up too much because obviously that's how you set up these young talented kids to fail but he so far answering all the questions uh, and doing a nice job learning from Braden it looks like as well Braden doing a nice job leading the younger quarterback room obviously just four quarterbacks in total this year in that room it's going to be important for them to all be pretty close to each other he's doing a nice job Kind of mentoring. He's talked about how Shevin did that with him when he first came here to UH and now how that's kind of what he wants to do with Micah. Even though they are competing, at the end of the day, it's about making the best UH football team and UH football program. And it's been cool to see. I love it. All right, going to your text message that you sent earlier and talking about the defense, uh, you mentioned that four-star, you know, the USC transfer in Fabian Ross, Six feet, 200 pounds is what he's listed as. Originally from Las Vegas, Nevada, but you said that the dude is yoked. <laughs> he, he really is. Like, I, I know we giggle about it and we kind of chuckle, but I look at him and you kind of see exactly why he was a four-star, why mm -hmm. he went to USC and was able to play at that Power 5 level or at least get an opportunity to go to a school at that Power 5 level. Because he's got the natural frame. I mean, absolutely chiseled at, at six foot. And, uh, there's almost an interception. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I'd be totally distracted too. <laughs> no, Fabian, and he's out there right now as well. He looks the part. And we talk a lot about how Coach Dennis Thurman, the additional 10, is really exciting for who he's worked with at the NFL level a little bit. Darrell Rivas, Antonio Cromarty, Stephon Gilmore, so on and so forth, where you get these talented and the, the frame of these players, if you can just teach them to play the position at a high level. And DT knows how to play the position at a high level, both from personal experience 
of playing and coaching, it, it's just really exciting to uh, to see. <laughs> It sounds like there's a lot of excitement out there as we are joined by Paul Brecht, who is out at University of Hawaii spring practice in case you guys are just tuning in and wondering what is going on in the background. Well, that is the University of Hawaii football team. All right. A couple more questions. How are some of the linemen, specifically the ones that have transferred in? We talked about Dion Washington and Christian Perry. What are some of the the size that you're seeing from these guys? And, And obviously their movement as well as guys in the trenches they move really really well that's something that this coaching staff goes after a lot is the athletic bigger fellas where like their anchor is good their power is good their hands are good but they move so so well they're light on their feet Dion washington We may have lost Paul. It was getting too excited out there as he was like, Dion Washington. We'll try to get him connected again in just a second as he left us hanging uh, for just a little bit. But again, we mentioned Paul Brecht is out there at University of Hawaii football spring practice. Just, you know, covering the team and a lot going on. Our Michael Lescaro is out there as well, taking some photos. All right, there we go. We have Paul Brecht back. It got it got a little too crazy out there that the, it dropped, but continue, my friend. Uh, but you were talking about Dion Washington. It's funny. Well, the, the lines actually just kind of got into it, so it's funny timing. Um, Dion Washington, though, it goes into that mold of what these coaches really like, and that's these bigger guys, the big frame, the strong frame, but they can really move. He's got nice feet. Uh, and he's athletic, kind of in that similar mold of Sauce Williams, except a little bit bigger than Sauce. Mm-hmm. And we saw how big Sauce could be last year, how much of an impact he makes at times. So to kind of add another one of him on the line, it's really exciting. Jeff Reinbold, I mean, Coach Reinbold's energy is <laughs> electric, infectious. I mean, whatever you want to say he just brings it every single practice so it's been fun to watch him work with those guys because they are hanging on every single word that coach is saying and it it really looks like they are learning whether it's a a freshman out there or a guy who's played two three four years of college football all of them are looking to learn and get better here and that's exciting for me if i'm a hawaii football fan that that the buy-in is so good so early from this team Man, football season can't come soon enough now that the NFL is wrapping up. Well, Paul, better let you go. Uh, We will, obviously, you'll be back in studio tomorrow, but thanks for stopping by to fill us in about University of Hawaii football. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to doing it some more. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. That was Paul Brecht, not in studio today, but out at University of Hawaii football spring practice. And we should have some audio later this afternoon and on tomorrow's show as he catches up with some of the players and coaches as well. By the way, shout out to head coach Timmy Chang and a couple of the other coaches. And you have uh, Cody Cook that was also out there with their families at the University of Hawaii women's basketball game on Saturday. And a bunch of the football players, as we mentioned, a lot of the linemen, uh, a few, a couple of the Women like Dion Washington and Sauce Williams have been at UH women's basketball games in the past that I've seen them at, but this time it was a good chunk of the football team that was there. It was kind of funny because uh, we did paddle cam with some of the, the players including some of the linemen and it was super fun and then kind of tucked away upper level a little bit or upper 
part of the lower level because upper level was closed at women's basketball. But you had some of your receiver guys and Matt Chan uh, and was kind of joking, like, look at these guys. They're too cool. They don't want to sit down low or whatever. But uh, shout out to Timmy and just how much they come out to support the other squads. They will also be in attendance this Saturday for the men's basketball game. So uh, it's just good vibes when you have your football program it's not the way that it's done around the country, but what Timmy has done in supporting the other programs when they have the opportunity to speaks volumes to what he is laying over there for the University of Hawaii, a football program to be not only just wanting to obviously win their games, but go out and support the other sports as well, including uh, women's teams and I think they might actually go to a water polo match as well if their time permits or their scheduling, uh, practice scheduling and whatnot permits. So shout out to Timmy Chang and the rest of the coaching staff and the players for showing up to things like the women's basketball games, which was super fun. And they came out with a win. We'll definitely discuss more in detail about the men's and women's basketball games that happened over the weekend. When we come back, uh, get you caught up with high school sports, though, as the new girls soccer champs were crowned over the weekend. And this week starts the uh, state girls basketball tournament as well as boys soccer. So we'll get you kind of caught up with all of that stuff going on uh, this week. So we'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den, Ku'ule Agbayani on this Aloha Monday. Flowers by Miley Cyrus, in case anybody watched the Grammys, won her first Grammy ever. So crazy when you think about like some artists that have been around forever and haven't won ever and any Grammys yet, but Miley Cyrus gets her first Grammy for this song, which hey, it was well deserved. All right, so sticking or going to our high school update for all of you guys. There are new well I shouldn't say new because they're back to back. Both <laughs> Division One and Division Two state soccer champs go back to back. In the case of Division Two, they actually win through their third in a row, with being Pack Five out of the ILH captures the Division Two title after beating Kamehameha Schools Hawaii 1-0 to win their third in a row. Congratulations to the Wolfpack and in Division One. Punahou tops Kamehameha School's Kapalama to win their second title in a row for the HHSAA Girls State Tournament. So congrats to Punahou and Pac-5 for repeating as state soccer champs. This week begins the Girls Basketball State Tournament. So today is the first round of games. The quarterfinals are on Wednesday. So the first round buys will go to number one, Iolani, number four, Lahaina Luna, number two, Konawaina, and number three, Kahuku, the OIA champs, which if you missed that game, you can listen to on demand at hoysportsradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And the first round of games will feature Campbell versus Mililani. That winner will go on to play Iolani, uh, Waikea, and Moana Lua 
winner will go on to play Lahaina Luna and then Kamehameha School's Maui and Radford. This winner will go on to play Konawaina and Kamehameha School's Kapalama and Kailua. That winner going on, moving on to play Kahuku on Wednesday. So again, first round of the Heidi and Cook HHSA Girls Basketball State Tournament gets underway today in Division 2. The first round buys go to number one, Kapa'a, number four, McKinley, number two, Marino, and number three, Kamehameha Schools, Hawaii. First round for Division 2 starts tomorrow, and that will be Hawaii Prep versus Hawaii Baptist. Winner will take on Kapa'a, number five seed, Lanai, versus Hanalani. That winner will go on to play McKinley. And then we have in the other side of the bracket, Farrington versus Kohala. And we'll go on to play Marino and Molokai versus Kapolei. Winner will go on to play Kamehameha Schools Hawaii. A lot of high school action also going on underway is the boys uh, soccer state tournament. So going to Division One again, First round begins today. Same thing like girls basketball. So a lot of high school action. Uh, the f- quarterfinals for boys soccer is on Thursday. The Getting the first round buys are number one, Iolani. Number four, Baldwin. Number two, Mililani. Ooh, shout out Mililani. Number three, Waikea. And first round for today is Kealakehe and Kapolei. Winner goes on to play Iolani. Uh, Campbell versus Kalani. Winner goes on to play Baldwin. King Kekalike versus Pearl City. Will, winner will go on to play Mililani. And Punaho Kailua winner will go on to play number three seed Waikea. And in Division 2, so that's in Division 1. And in Division 2, we have, so this is just straight quarterfinals. No one gets a first round bye as the bracket is less team, so uh, less matchups. So quarterfinal action begins on Thursday for Division 2. Number one seed, Kamehameha Schools Hawaii, will play Lelehua. Uh, number four seed, Seabury Hall, will play number five seed, Castle. Number two, Pack 5 will play Waipahu and number 3 Island School will play Hawaii Prep. The semifinals will be on Friday or this Friday and at the main stadium at the YPL Soccer Complex. First round of Division 1 will be at different schools including Kapolei will be at Kealakehe and the quarterfinal rounds will all be at different fields at the YPO Peninsula Soccer Complex. So if you guys want the complete breakdown and times of everything, you guys can go to hhsaa.org where you can see the entire lineup of girls' state basketball tournament and boys' soccer. And once again, shout out to the state champs. Pains me every time, though, Punahou wins. I think I told you guys a story before, but that's who, when I was playing at Mililani, that's where we lost to my or who we lost to my junior year. Yeah, so my junior year, and in the semifinals, Punaho did beat Mililani 4-0 to make it to the championship. Kamehameha School's uh, Kapalama had a closer game against Campbell, edged them out 3-2. But yes, when I was playing at Mililani, we lost to Punaho in penalty kicks. <sighs> not not exactly the best way, and so it always pains me. That's why I chuckle, and you know we have fun with it when it comes to Punahou, especially winning everything. And it just pains me every time they win at soccer. <laughs> no, but uh, always congratulations to the student athletes who work 
so hard and it's fun to watch as in Hawaii, you know, we just love keeping up with our our high school sports. So looking forward to more. Uh, I mentioned one reason why I'm not going out to Las Vegas for Super Bowl week is because I will actually be in Hilo. We'll have, you know, just some social media coverage of the state paddling tournament that will be this Saturday out at Hilo Bay, as well as some D2 baseball featuring HPU, Chaminade, UH Hilo and St. Martins that are playing at Wong Stadium. So if you guys are there, come check it out. But for now, we got to go. Uh, I'm Kule Akabayani. Mahalo for listening. Bye.